Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Hi, everybody. My name is Mark Pope. I'm the lead pastor at the church. Uh, good to be with you today. That's nice of you. We're, good. We're about to move into the message time, so if you have a cell phone, uh, just your friendly reminder to put that on silent. Also, if you've kept a child here with you in the service, and if they become restless, we do ask that you would take them out to the atrium where you can still watch and listen to the message out there by the fireplace, because it's really cold, so you might want to sit by the fireplace, (laughs) because it's been, you may want to sit by the fireplace with your child if they get up, okay, there we go. Uh, Hey, we don't pass a plate to receive tithes and offerings. Uh, but if you're a follower of Christ and he's captured your heart, you know that giving back to him is important. Um, and so uh, we have different ways you can do that, either online or through giving boxes scattered around the building. So we hope you'll participate in the offering. Let's pause and pray about the offering before we move on. God, as many of us give a portion of what you've given us back to you today, either through the boxes or online somehow. We hope that you'll feel loved and honored. And we also pray, I pray, God, that you would uh, use every dollar that comes into the Vineyard Church to do, that, to, do, to do tons and tons of ministry around the church, around our locations, around the communities that we're trying to serve, and around the world. So I, again, ask God, will you give us incredible financial wisdom Uh, with any decisions we need to make, because we want to make the right decision every single time. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 26, or you can use your smart device if you'd like. Uh, In terms of an introductory thought, I'm going to reference a movie. And so if you know me very well, I don't see a lot of movies, because like almost all my movie references are from like the Avenger Marvel movies. Like that's it. I, I don't know. I don't see a lot of movies, but uh, you've probably heard of some of the Marvel movies, like the Avenger kind of things. Anybody seen these movies or heard of these movies? Okay. See, that's it? Okay. Well, anyway, big adventure, you know, lots going on movies. Anyway, if, even if you haven't heard of those movies, there's a character in many of the movies called Hulk. Heard of Hulk? Yes. Okay. Uh, so there's, you know, images of Hulk. Uh, he's kind of the intense avenger um, basically has one skill his go-to in every single I think this is not an overstatement in every single situation you know what he does smash like that's uh oh there's a smash ever there's a smash um, in fact uh, one of these is a a gif or a jif or whatever. Here's what here's what Hulk does. That's just kind of his approach to whatever's going on. His smash. I didn't put it up on the screen, but there was one part of one of the movies where Hulk starts smashing, a, and uh, one of the other characters say they they say to Hulk, Hulk, for once in your life, just one time, can you not smash? And it was like they were speaking a foreign language. He just goes, I, I, he doesn't know, he just doesn't know what else to do. So let me give you a couple of thoughts from that. 
The first one is this. I do think at times, sometimes smashing is a great approach. Like there might be, what we're talking about, aggressive nature, go after it, ah, with every, sometimes there are certain situations in life where you like, you're going to need that kind of intensity. But my second thought is, if you're going to navigate, if I'm going to navigate life well, we're going to have to have more in our tool bag than just, ah, anybody agree? Hey, parents. You, 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 young parents, you're going to potty train. You're going to need more skills than just, ah! Does that make, you know, there are certain things, in, when they're teenagers, you're going to need a, a, some other, a better approach. You're going to have to be more thoughtful and dialogue and a lot of things, a lot of places God wants us to go. It's a little more of a, of a journey that you can't, press into a three-minute intense moment. Professionally, you can't just push, you can't just go type A, push all the time to get where you want to be. You're going to have to have some, here's a word for the day, some patience. Financially, it's a journey. <laughs> I thought of this one. Some of you folks that are in seasons of dating, young people, gentlemen, let me give you some advice. Approaching that new girl that you like and just saying, my like, I like, <laughs> may not get where you ultimately want to go in the relationship. Is that right? Me like, marry now. <laughs> Might want to, okay. So uh, this idea of, uh, of patience is where we're going to land today. Let me give you some scriptures that came to mind. In John 7, Jesus' brothers are telling him that really they're kind of pushing the pace and saying now. It says in John 7, since you are doing these things, Show yourself to the world. And Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. It's like, whoa. In Matthew 26, in the Garden of Gethsemane, soldiers are coming to take Jesus, take him to the cross. Peter, thinking it's the right time to smash, grabs a sword, cuts off a man's ear. And Jesus says, put your sword back in its place. And by the way, then he goes on and say, don't you think I can call the Father and I can send a gazillion angels, paraphrase, I can send all kinds of angels to beat these guys to a pulp if I want, but we're not going to. Right now there's something else going on. It's part of the description of God. By the way, there are times that God's approach is smash. Read the, read the, the, the entirety of the scripture. There are times he was intense. But 2 Peter 3, 9 describes, says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. So hold those thoughts. We're in a series called Facing Your Giants, and we're looking at the spiritual journey of David. And let me just remind us, the guy is worth studying. The Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. 
He was uh, arguably one of the most successful leaders ever that God used to develop the kingdom of God. And so we're studying his life, and in today's text, we're going to get a glimpse into the patient side of David. Um, So let me set the scene. 1 Samuel 26. Uh, King Saul, for most of us this is a reminder if you've been part of the series, uh, is irritated with David and trying to kill him because out of jealousy. And, oh, can I do you a little side mini-message? This, this goes on for four, five, six, some people say up to eight years. David had to endure this irritation, this, this pursuit. So just in case you want to be a king in an area of your life, you may not get there in three days. You, you may have to deal with stuff for quite some time. David's been dealing with Saul trying to get him for about, let's say, eight years. So Saul gets word on this day and this season of David's location. And so he takes an army and he's camped close to where David is or where he thinks he is. And David decides at night, I'm going to do a night visit to Saul's camp. And when he arrives, Saul and his whole army, they are fast asleep. And so David decides to sneak in to Saul's camp. So we're going to pick it up in verse 6. David then asked Ahimelech the Hittite and Abishai, son of Zeruai, Joab's brother, who will go down in who will go down into the camp with me to Saul? I'll go with you said Abishai. So David and Abishai went to the army by night, and there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying around him. Abishai said to David, I picture them whispering, okay? So Abishai said to David, today, God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't strike him twice. That is the voice of smash. Right? That's what he's like, yeah. Right. But David said to Abishai, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him, or his time will come and he will die, or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and the water jug that are near his head, and let's go. Now let me sum up a couple verses and then we'll get a couple more. So they take the spear and the water jug. Quietly they leave. They go quite some distance up on a hill, but they're still within yelling range. And David wakes up the army with his voice. And he basically says this kind of, you should read the entire account. He basically says, hey, 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 you guys. 
Who's supposed to be guarding the king, goofballs? Looky what I got. This looks like the king's spear, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Who's water jug? Whoa. Anyway, he did just his whole, and, he, and he, he really confronts him, and he says, you guys, you guys don't even deserve to live if that's the way you're going to guard the king. So he does this. You have to read all of it. That was a paraphrase, but that's kind of what he does, sort of. Here, then, verse, bounce to verse 17. Saul recognized David's voice and said, is that your voice, David, my son? Yes, it is, my Lord, David replied, and he added, why is my Lord pursuing his servant? What have I done? And what wrong am I guilty of? Bounce to verse 21. Saul said, I have sinned. Come back, David, my son, because you considered my life precious today. I will not try to harm you again. Surely I have acted like a fool and have been terribly wrong." Here is the king's spear, David answered. Let one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. We're going to talk about that a little bit. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. The title of the talk this weekend is Godly Patience. David spares a life or Saul's life again. He did this at least twice. And so before we look at a couple characteristics of godly patience, will you pause, think of an area of your life that is not going to get done in a day, and, you're, and it will serve us well to be patient, godly patience. Try to think of something. Could be physically, could be relationally. And I, I really hope you'll think of an area of your life. Financially, godly it's going to take some journey. It's going to have to be patient and in my own life, the thing that has uh, come to my mind, but some of you know, and I want to thank you for many of your kindness, my mom, uh, over the last six weeks, has been declining, I've been responsible for a lot of her care. Well, she passed away this last uh, Monday, and in the, all of this process, did you know there are some things you just can't speed up, you just have to and there's still some things on my list. You know, we've got funeral things, but how do you, you, you know it's not going to get done today. How do you just walk through? It's applicable to my life. But you probably have something in your life that's similar, relationship. So let's, we're going to ask God to give us some insight into those seasons. How can we have godly patience? Let's pray. God, I thank you for the scripture and for your Holy Spirit that teaches us. And will you give us tools so that we might be able to walk through all seasons of life with, with wisdom? Gosh, I'd love to be a, a lot like David. I'd like to be a, even more like Jesus. So <laughs> help us, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I have two things to consider from this text about godly patience. The first one is this. Godly patience doesn't do nothing. The idea is, I know that's like a double negative, you're not supposed to say, but it doesn't do nothing. And what I want to, what I noticed, and it was interesting to me, was in verse 11, where David says, the, Lord's for, the Lord should bid, whatever he said, the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointing. And then he says, 
Now get the spear and the water jug that are near his head and let's go. Why didn't, because David says, the Lord forbid that we would do anything. Why didn't he just say, the Lord, when Abishai is smashed, smashed, and David says, the Lord forbid that I should, why didn't he just leave? He doesn't just leave. Instead, it's like, the Lord forbid that we should take his life. Well, let's take his spear and his water jug. I mean, he still does this, this, this something in the midst of it. Now, by the way, my assumption in this is this is not some kind of a partial, partial obedience. I don't think David actually was doing this out of, out of spite. Uh, there, are, there are a few times in David's life where he did relatively little things wrong and he was judged for it. I think he's within the realm of God's will. Um. But here's my theory. It points to this. You can write this in and we'll explore it. Although God is always the major player, in other words, God is going to get King David into the throne. Like God is going to get that done. We all have opportunities to do something. We have opportunities to do, even if that thing over there, we have to be patient in the process there are things we can still do today that'll make things move forward, perhaps. I thought of it another way. Total, I think this is, this is good. This is good. Total inactivity. Rarely. Listen, if you're a follower of Christ. Total inactivity is rarely part of God's plan for our life. Let me say that again. Total inactivity is rarely part of God's plan for your life, even in the patient seasons. And I thought of how many times, even in God, some of, some of Jesus' great miracles. And who gets the credit for the great miracle? It was Jesus, right? He's the major guy. He's the one who brings it. But almost all the miracles, or many of the miracles, people still had to do something. Let me give you some examples. Jesus made some mud and put it on a guy's eyes in John chapter 9. And then he told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. <coughs> right? God's setting the stage for a miracle. But look, the guy still had to do something. He had to, he went and washed. It's something. You know what? If he doesn't do that, arguably, he doesn't get the miracle, but he's, Got to go and wash. An Old Testament example in 1 Kings 18, one of my favorite stories for a lot of my Christian life, uh, God is going to send fire from heaven on a sacrifice and convince thousands of people that he's God. But if you read this story, Elijah step, stepped forward and prayed. Now that you think, but someone has to do that. That's the switch for God's power to come. There are countless of situations like this. <coughs> Excuse me. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus is going to produce a miraculous catch of fish for Peter. But Peter still has to let down the nets. Or one of my... Uh, Another vivid picture for me comes from John 6. 
It's the account of where Jesus is going to feed uh, thousands of people. I think the account says 5,000 men plus women and children. And, uh, but part of the story is the disciples say this. Well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. It's an interesting question, but how far will they go among so many? In other words, I'm assuming they didn't rip this kid's lunch out of his hand. Maybe they did. But I'm assuming the, the little boy, was. they were like, gosh, we don't have any food. Anybody have anything that might help? And the little kid says, well, I got this. Then the disciples are like, ah, how far will that go? That'll go a long way in the hand of God. So those, these little things. So to bring it into the room, here's a question. Are we doing our, think of the situations that you're in, right? It's a journey. It's not going to get done in a day. Are we doing our little things while waiting for God's developing plan. Are you? Spiritually, you doing the little things? You praying about it? Boy, that, that's, pray about it. Get prayer about it. Keep doing your daily Bible time. Keep trying to grow professionally. Do the little things. Show up on time. Some of you are like, what? Yeah, show up on time. Put out an application. Do the job that is in front of you. Relationally, are you maintaining the relationship? You being good to that friend? You staying kind? If you're in a marriage or a dating relationship, still honoring it. Honor it morally, verbally. All those things matter. So God's godly patience doesn't do, doesn't do nothing. It does those things. The second idea from the text is godly patient trusts God's providence. Trusts. God's providence. I mean, God's ability to reward activities that should be rewarded. Uh, if you'll indulge me for a moment, I'm going to tell you a story about my mom's life, just because it's been a, such a big part of my the last few weeks. Um, Rosemary, that was her name, Rosemary Pope. Uh, I got a picture. Can we show a picture of my mom? Some of you have met my mother, uh, who came to the church and would sit right here and you know, she'd come walking in, or over the last days, you know, then she'd be in her wheelchair, we'd help her in there. Uh, I came across a quote uh, this just a few days ago, and here was a quote from an old artist named Andy Warhol. You may have heard of him. Here's what he said. Dying is the most embarrassing thing that can ever happen to you because someone's got to take care of all your details. That was his perspective. Dying is because someone has got to take care of all your details. Here's what I am experiencing with my mother's details in life. There, there is almost nothing embarrassing about my mom's life. 
Does that, I think I understand maybe what Andy was trying to say, but, you know, I'm up to here in my mom's, the details of my mom's life and the, the fruit of my mom's life. And can I tell you, there is like nothing embarrassing there. There, I thought of the different areas of her life, like financially and, and uh, relationally. If my mom's life were a garden and you were to walk into the garden, you would, there are almost no weeds. Like, there's just like fruit and all this stuff. And, I, and here's why I bring that up. And my mom was not a type A, a great, aggressive, get it done person. Like, she was not the Hulk. You know, oh, well, just smash. You know what she did though through her life? She was faithful to do this little thing right and this little thing right and tried really hard to do this little thing right. And then, does that make sense? And over time, because, and here's where we're headed, because God is a rewarder of being faithful in those little things. In the text, we see this was in the heart of David in verse 23. Oh, <laughs> can I tell you a fun story? At least it's fun for me. It may not be fun for you. Here was, this was an example. It just reminded me of my mom because, uh, of course, she was there um, uh, as, she, as she declined. Uh, and I was giving her s- some medicine just some days back. And she was now uh, bedridden. And so I was giving her some medicine because she's going to pass here in the next few days in the midst of this. So I gave her some medicine. And she looked at me and she said, is this legal? That's what she said. So I, I assured, I said, yeah, mom, it's legal. And, and she said, good, because there are fingerprints everywhere. <laughs> I share this story one. It's just a fun memory of my mom. But the other thing I, I do, it did remind me, and my mom wanted to do things right. And that's the kind of thing that God rewards. So David, in verse 23, here's what it says. The Lord, David knew this. The Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. David knew that about God. Here's what I think. You can write this in on your handout. David didn't slay Saul because he knew God was watching. And God is a rewarder of righteousness and faithfulness. And I imagine the Father, this is how I picture it in my mind, when God's up in heaven watching Saul. By the way, read the entire text. It actually says that the Lord put Saul and his soldiers into a deep sleep. And you could argue that God was put in this day, that God was putting Saul, David's enemy, right there for him to kill. You could argue that, that God was giving David the option to, to, to speed up this journey and get to the throne now. Read it. But I, I have to imagine God looking down, knowing Saul's asleep, Abishai's there. He's going to say, smash. We're done. And then when David says, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. 
I'm not going to put my hand. If God wants to get this done, I just think that was part of the package of David's life where God looks down and says, gosh, I'm going to bless that guy. I'm going to bless that guy. Do you see what he just did? Can I add just a little bit before we close? A lot of this has to do with what some might perceive as little things in life. Little things. But Jesus teaches a parable in Mark 4 to describe the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like, uh, say it, mustard seed. It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. It's like a little, how small? That's small, a little tiny little thing. Yet, here's how the kingdom of God works, folks. Yet, yet when planted, it grows and becomes, I'm going to paraphrase, huge. It just becomes huge. So don't discount today in the, in the things that you're in, the journeys that you're on, as you try to patiently walk through those things. Don't discount the value of paying attention to the little seeds that you're planting. God's watching. Man, I, I just lift up to you the idea of how about we be people that are righteous and faithful. And see how God responds to that. Last fill in the blank. God creates greatness as a result of small seeds. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.